morning. Welcome to Sunday. Welcome to Boulder. Welcome to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you just uh, got born again this today on Sunday here at church, uh, you're watching this on Monday, probably or sometime. Uh, it'll be live on Monday. So if you receive Jesus Christ in church this Sunday today, uh, welcome to the family of God. Uh, remember, uh, when you receive Christ, you want to get into His Word, and you really want to study His Word, you want to be baptized in water, and you also want to have Jesus baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Even though a lot of people don't get that, the Word of God gets it, God gets it, Jesus gets it, and those who believe get it. But those who do not believe do, don't get it. They don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to them. So, uh, don't be one of those who don't believe, because when you don't believe, that means you reject pieces and portions of the Word of God. You want all the Word of God. Uh, you just don't want little things here and there. You want all of it. So as you walk in the Word of God, God will show you more and more and more inside His Bible, His Word, and uh, that's what you want to do. Uh, you want to keep all the commandments of Jesus Christ, not just pick and choose which commandments that you want to believe. Uh, it doesn't matter what church you go to or what people around you say. Uh, you want to believe all the counsel of God. All the counsel of the Lord is important because Jesus says, if you love me and if you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, then that's telling Jesus, I love you. Because Jesus asked, will you marry me? We're the bride of Christ. We're the bride of Jesus Christ. And uh, for a lot of us guys, that's kind of hard to grasp, but that's okay. It's all by faith. It's not by works. It's not by flesh. It's not by even understanding. It's a heart issue, okay? And uh, you want to know the Word of God. You want to live in the Word of God. You want to know what the Bible says. And I would strongly, very, very strongly suggest that you get into the Word of God, the King James Bible. Don't listen to what other people say about the King James. Just get into the King James Bible and read it slowly, deliberately, with the spirit of truth. And uh, you'll learn so much more and your faith will grow so much faster and so much further than any other Bible. Uh, there's over 900 English Bibles that have been printed. Some say there's over 1,000, but one of the lower numbers is 900. But uh, and many, the multitude of those 900s are no longer in print. You can probably find them, but they're no longer in print because they're junk. Yeah, how about that? A Bible. And that's why when churches, when you go to a church and you see what they believe, and you say, oh, we believe the Bible is the inerrant Word of God. But they don't tell you which one is the inerrant Word of God. They just say, they just blanket it because they don't want to be persecuted by Christians or anyone else. They just want to say, whatever Bible that you want to use, uh, even the fisherman's Bible, if you want to use that, fine. As long as it says Bible on it, or the gun owner's Bible, if you, as long as it says Bible on it, or the camper's Bible, or the RV Bible. But I'm telling you, the Bible that you need to be reading is the King James Bible. And uh, it's been blacklisted from the Catholic Church. Catholics are not, are forbidden to read the King James Bible. No other Bible, just the King James Bible. That's two billion people on planet Earth thereabouts who are forbidden to read this book right here. It should really tell you something, you know. So uh, let's pray. So Lord, I thank you that we can come out and uh, uh, share what's on our heart. I didn't know that was on my heart, Lord. I've been really struggling this morning and uh, last night and early, this, early today and uh, I've asked you several times, I just want to go home early today, Lord. I'm just not feeling good, uh, not comfortable at all. And, uh, but I'm here by faith, and you, I've asked you many times, is this what you want me? And every time you've reassured me that, yes, this is what you want me to do. So I do have the assurance, Lord, it's just my flesh is struggling because I have to live in this carcass, and uh, this carcass, this body is uh, no longer mine, but for some reason it's bugging me. <laughs> so... Uh, I just, you know, give the bugs over to you, Lord, and let you fix the bugs. I'm not a code writer, and you can write the code in, uh, in my body and uh, take those bugs out. And so I can have a clean uh, line of code in my body. 
Anyways, praise God. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, uh, sometimes when God asks you to do something, it is easy to do. Easy to do. You just do it. And boy, I said, oh, that was fun. That was easy to do. I'm going to do that again. And then he asks you to do something else, and it's easy. And he asks you something else, it's easy. And you might go for a long time doing a lot of easy things. And then, then God asks you to do something that's kind of hard, kind of difficult, challenging, has, a, has the potential of seeding a lot of doubt in you because he wants you to increase your faith, overcome that doubt. And uh, that's where I am. I've been that way for about uh, two months now. I, don't, I haven't talked too much about it, but uh, it's coming up against the wire now because tomorrow morning, uh, seven o'clock in the morning, I'm required by God to begin a 65 class session on taking people through the truth study notebook that our church has. And it's not just our church, it's anybody who wants to order it. Uh, you can go to our website, uh, johnshuck.org, and uh, you can, I'll see if I can put it here somewhere in the video. And when you just scroll down a little bit, it says GC True Study, and it's the August edition. You can order it there. It's $9.27. It's one penny over print cost. Uh, there's no profit involved. 65, is it 65 pages? Seven, 78 pages. And that's one, the first book of eight books. The eight books cover a two-year program. Uh, our third-year program has 25 books, 10 or 25 textbooks, actually, not just books, but textbooks involved in that third year. And that third year actually will probably expand to the fourth and the fifth. So it's probably three, four, and five uh, in that study. But some people can read all those textbooks in a year. But uh, it took me two years to read the book. So could be a four-year program that we're starting tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock. <laughs> and uh, part of it, what I'm struggling with, is my lack of understanding of technology. Okay? Uh, technology, for many people, especially people who are older, like myself, uh, it's highly frustrating because we don't get it. It's not hasn't been a part of our life. But if you're probably... Uh, uh, you know, I don't know, 40 years old or 35, you know, under 40 years old, technology is probably no big deal to you. It's probably second nature. And if you're probably under 20, 25 or under, technology has probably been a part of your life all your life. And uh, it hasn't been for me, okay? And uh, I remember when uh, there was no internet. I remember when uh, there was no such thing as a computer. It didn't exist. I remember when there was no such thing as a mobile phone. You know, I mean, remember all those things. So I'm coming from a very uh, old uh, area. And so uh, if I don't keep up on the learning, because technology, the reason I'm struggling is because technology changes quickly. It's just constantly evolving and getting more advanced, more advanced, more advanced. And if you stay up with it, you kind of keep up with it. It kind of pulls you along. But for our live stream sessions, I have not kept up with it for over a year now. And I have been struggling. I can't seem to get my camera to come on. I can't get my microphone to come on. I can't seem to log on to the live stream network. I can't seem to do anything. No matter what I've done, I can't seem, and I've been trying this for over a month. I did a live stream session with Cranford and uh, I struggled like crazy. I was so nervous, I almost said no. And when the camera came on, I go, that looks like junk to me. And I couldn't figure it out. I was really frustrated the whole time, whole hour. I was immensely frustrated at the technology. I couldn't hear myself. I was lagging. I just all kinds of problems. And that's what I'm doing with this live stream that's supposed to be starting tomorrow morning. I was working on it this morning, trying to figure it out. And uh, still ran up a bunch of problems. So what am I going to do? Well, come out and preach, I guess. That's why I'm an hour behind schedule. I was supposed to be here at 10 o'clock, got here at 11. And I'm praying to God that he lets me go home in a couple hours, <laughs> you know, because I got to get this figured out. And uh, I've been trying to figure it out, but for some reason I can't seem to figure it out. And in the meantime of a whole year, year and a few months, I've gotten a new computer because the other one burned out. And uh, so I had to replace it. So this new computer is even more different than the old computer. I mean, it's just uh, one thing begets another. 
And, uh, and because of the challenges that I'm facing that I can't seem to overcome, uh, that produces doubt, produces a lot of doubt. And sometimes the doubt of what you're attempting to do will, will pour over into other areas. Okay? Like, for example, this is our church signs, one of our two church signs. We have one that sits in front of our building when we have our church. And then we have this newer one here that I bring out to the corner. And it's been two years since I brought a sign out. Over two years, maybe three years. I can't, it's been a long time, very long time. I had to put it away. And uh, here a week ago, five days ago, whatever, last week, last Sunday, or whatever it was, uh, the Lord said, next Sunday, I want you to bring your church sign out from now on, on Sundays, to bring your church sign out. I said, okay. So that would, that's extremely heavy. And I have a cart that I pull it with and my banner. I had to leave my cones at home because it's just too much stuff. And so I've had struggling since early this morning and I was so stressed out last night. I'm just telling you like it is, okay? A lot of people don't get the behind the scenes of street preachers. You know, they think it's all, oh, you just go out there, you turn the camera on, you turn your microphone and you start preaching. Uh, there's so much going on behind the scenes and the idea with my video channel is to give you an example of all the struggle that goes on and you know I can't really show the struggle but I can tell you the struggle all right that goes on behind the scenes before the cameras turn on before the mic is on uh, because when people come out to preach and all they know is your perfect orientation of a preaching the gospel and then the camera goes off they don't see the before and they don't see the after and they come out and they just make all kinds of mistakes and they fall down they quit because you have not showed them the hard parts. The easy part is turn the camera on and preach it. That's a piece of cake. Anybody can do that. But going through the struggle to the camera and then going through the struggle after the camera, that's a whole different ball game. Whole different ball game. Yet on Friday up in Longmont, I had two people throw me a bunch of trash in my face there at, uh, by the pine trees. I mean, I couldn't believe it. They opened the window and just throw their trash at me. Fell on the floor right in front of me. And then about an hour later, somebody else did something similar to that. Opened the window and threw their trash bag at me. Full of trash. And I, I go, you see? You know, but people don't see that part because the camera was off. See? But I'm telling you now, that's what happened. You know? And then the, they also don't see, they see the camera, it always looked kind of nice and it was really nice, but they don't realize that an hour and a half later, it started, the wind just kicked up to about 30, 40 miles an hour, 50 mile an hour gust, and the rain started coming down and it wasn't a normal rain. It was more like sleet and it got frigid cold for me in Longmont, yet last Friday. But see, nobody saw that part. I was drenched. I, everything was wet. Uh, my Bible got wet. My calendar got wet. Uh, the stuff in my pack got wet. And then I had trouble with the band. I had all kinds of trouble. Then the people throwing trash at me. But see, you don't see that part when street preachers turn their camera off or a church pastor turns their camera off. You don't see the problems. But you need to see the problems because you need to prepare for the problems. So when the problems come, you're prepared, right? What is this saying? Uh, be ready, prepare, right? Because Jesus will return, be ready. And if you're not getting ready, so what are the problems on getting ready for the return of Christ? All kinds, right? Anyways, I'm gonna talk about that. Talk about this here, all right? So I'm filled with doubt, wrestling with doubt. In fact, I think I put a post on my uh, YouTube thing this morning uh, on the post, P-O-S-T post, or wherever that thing is called. And I talked about doubt and faith, you know. And, uh, and then coming down here, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm gonna tell you everything, okay? I'm not gonna hold nothing back, because I really, I mean, preaching the Word of God is important, and, and, but you have a Bible. But you may not have the knowledge of the struggle and that's what I'm doing. I'm giving you the knowledge of the struggle, information on the struggle, all right? And uh, so because the doubt comes from one area, it's going over into other areas, and the other areas is uh, coming out here on Sunday because I've been doing this for four years now. I'm in my fifth year, you know? I've had over three million people go by me 
you know, we're pushing about 3,700 hours, 3,700 hours on the street. So in that amount of time, there's a lot of people that go by you, all right? Thousands and thousands of Christians have seen me in all these cities. And so based on that, based on that, I was complaining to God and I had to keep stopping it all the time because murmuring, griping, and complaining is the, God's number one thing he doesn't like. And I kept apologizing, kept repenting. And I said, Lord, but I'm struggling. I just gotta talk to you, Lord. I mean, I don't know what to do with this. I mean, and um, so the struggle was that I still don't have a partner, somebody who wants to come out to the street and help me. That's what's struggling me. I can't hardly believe that I still have to do this by myself, all alone, physically. I understand there are angels. I understand that God's praying for me. I understand other people are praying for me, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a physical live person here helping me. See, that's struggling me because I'm all by myself. Now, I understand that I'm not a very helpable person. That's another thing you have to understand. Some people are not helpable. You just can't help them. You have to just let them flounder around on their own. You can donate to them, you can give them some money, but you can't buy them anything because you'll always buy something wrong for them. You'll always, uh, and if you try to help them, it'll always be wrong because there's some people like myself that's very difficult, almost impossible to help. My wife of 16 years knows how hard it is to help me because she always tried to help me. She finally gave up. And a lot of people have given up on me because I don't know what you want, John. I mean, what do you want? I mean, see, I don't want people to help me. I want people to work for God and take your direction from God, not from me. Don't help me. I don't need anybody's help. What I need is people who will listen to God and do what God's told them to do. That's what I want. So right now I'm struggling because that's my prayer and people have I've had probably a dozen people try to help me and finally give up because they're trying to help me. I don't want your help. I want you to do what God has told you to do. And see, people don't get that. They're so focused on the world. And thank God I'm not focused on this world anymore. I mean, decades ago, I took my eyes off the world and put them on Jesus. And so when people are struggling like this, this is, an, this is a challenge that I'm going through that is easy for weak, lukewarm Christians to quit. Yeah, that's what I'm in right now. I'm in a storm that a lukewarm Christian will just give up on the ministry and quit. That's what they do, okay? But that type of Christian looks at the storm, looks at the water, looks at all the problems, they quit. But what is Preacher John doing? What am I doing? As an example, I'm not looking at all that problem. I'm not looking at this heavy sign that kept beating my hand up and falling down. It took me twice as long to get down here because of this sign. I'm struggling with the sign. I've missed my cones. I like my cones because they're safety cones, but I can't have them today. And what am I doing? I'm keeping my eyes on the Lord all the way down here. I just kept, Lord, is this really what you want me to do? Yes, John, just keep moving. So I kept telling the Lord, so, okay, Lord, this is what you want me to do. Therefore, I'm gonna have peace. I thank you, Lord, that you know I'm struggling. I thank you, Lord, you're gonna help me walk through the struggle. And he did, he gave me peace for about 30 seconds. <laughs> then I started griping again. I, Lord, I'm sorry, I don't mean to do that. Then he gave me peace again for another 30 seconds, you know? And so I'm just, it's this peace and then struggle and then peace and struggle and peace and struggle. And uh, because I'm saying this, because people don't know what other people go through. now. You don't need to know what other people are going through. However, if you want to be a minister on the street, these are challenges you're going to face. There are dozens and dozens and probably hundreds and thousands of street ministers around the world who have quit the ministry because they didn't understand the struggle, the problems that were going to come on them. Now, we're not even talking about the spiritual problem. I'm just talking about the physical limitations, the physical problems. You add the spiritual problem on that, and then all of a sudden it goes, it magnifies dramatically, multiplies out of, out of uh, your understanding because you've got all the forces of Satan against you. Satan doesn't want you on the street. He doesn't want me to bring my church sign. I guarantee it. Satan doesn't even want me here. He didn't want me in Friday in Longmont. 
I tell you, I had a hard time. That wind and that rain, I was so frigid. I wasn't dressed for winter, I was dressed for summer. They said a 30% chance of light rain. That was what the weather said. 30% chance of light rain. Oh, that's all right. Cool. And I'm ready. I got an umbrella. I had an extra shirt I put underneath this, but I didn't realize this light rain was going to be 100% and 100% sleet. I had a couple of people that were standing beside me said, man, it's not rain. It's like sleet. And it's cold. It's like this storm coming over here. They said no storm today, but we got big black cumulus clouds on the horizon here coming over me. But they said 0% chance of thunderstorms and rain and cold. And I say, you know, see, these are the physical limitations. And these physical limitations, if you keep your eye on the problems, are going to diminish and hurt your faith. All right, it's going to hurt your faith. It's going to hurt your faith. And we cannot serve Jesus Christ as any kind of a minister without faith. The just shall live by faith. That's it. The just shall live by faith. You should preach by faith. You should minister by faith. You should walk by faith. You should come to your corner by faith. What destroys faith? Doubt. Oh, ye of little faith, right? You know? See, a lot of this nobody gets. Now, people who are going through it, they get it. Those who want to be a street minister, uh, they don't get it. They think I'm just having a hard day. I'm just having a hard day. I'm not having a hard day. I'm having a fantastic day in Jesus Christ. I praise God that I get to do what I'm doing. I'm just telling you the struggle, okay? I got the joy of the Lord, man. I ain't worried a bit. I'm retired. I haven't got anything to worry about. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm on my last season of life. Somebody takes me out, I'm in heaven. Big deal, you know? People have to deal with the carcass laying down here, but I'm in heaven, you know? I got everything taken care of at home. If I'm taken out on the street, the home's ready to go, you know? And all these Christians, they wave, they nod, they say, thank you, we love your message, but no Christian helps me, none. They don't donate, they don't buy me lunch, they don't buy me a bottle of water, they don't stop and pull over and say, brother, can I pray with you? That doesn't happen. Because they don't know, the reason they don't do that, listen, the reason, not that because they don't love Jesus, they love Jesus. They just don't know what you're doing. That's what you have to understand. And I've come to that understanding. They don't know what I'm doing. They think they know, but they don't really know. All they know, most Christians, all they know is going into a building and having church. That's all they know. I thank God I got out of that church building. You know, I, uh, that's why I struggle. I'm here to build a church in Boulder in the state of Colorado. And, uh, but lo and behold, the Lord is very gracious to me because he knows personally, intimately, my limitations. And one of my massive limitations is dealing with people dealing with people a pastor of a church must have tremendous hospitality skills tremendous that's not me never has been me and it will never be me like on th Wednesday when we had our service we had a lot of new people there to me it was a full house it wasn't that many but it was almost all the chairs were full and uh, uh, I know my limitations. So the pastor of our host church, Brent, he has great hospitality skills. He's a good people person. So I said, Brent, would you kind of lead this service today? Man, he just jumped right in. And immediately the Spirit of God moved. Because if I was going to do it, it would have been a big mess. But the Spirit of God says, let Brent do it. Said, Brent, would you, you did it. And so we kind of interacted each, with each other because there were things I needed. I knew I needed to get done in the service. And so when Brent gave me a, a little bit of a space there, I was able to deliver something and then give it back to Brent. And then he would do his thing and he was able to give it back to me and I was able to deliver more of the whole, what the Holy Ghost wanted. And so we were able to keep the service on track even though I wasn't leading it. Brent was leading it. See, that's my limitation. But I know my limitation. I know my limitation out here. That's why I do how I do it. I don't have a great big microphone and, and uh, speakers and all kinds of 
hoopla and uh, I have what I have because this is my limitation because of what God knows of me. So that's why I tell people, don't copy. Stop copying other people because when you copy other people, you cannot take another man's calling upon yourself. And that's why I can't have people help me. Don't help me. Go to God and ask Him, what can I do? And then do what God has told you to do. I have several people who have done, who've done that. And I'm blessed by them, but they don't, but they help me the way God has showed them to help me. And they stay around. Those people stay around. But the people who want to personally help me, they all disappear. Every one of them has disappeared because they want to help me. They don't care about God. They know God, they know Jesus, they're born again, they're saved, they're going to heaven. I know that, they know that. But they don't get the service unto God. Like right now, am I doing this for you? No way, not in a million years am I doing this for you. Now you're hearing me and I'm talking to the camera, the microphone's there, but I'm doing this under God. I'm watching God as I'm watching this camera lens. I'm listening to God as I'm listening to myself talk. I am leaning into Him, to Jesus Christ, not into you. See? That's why I know that when I speak, now this is another thing that people don't get, that when I speak, I'm speaking truth. The reason I'm speaking truth is because I'm watching Jesus, the truth. I'm not watching you. If I'm watching you, then I'm gonna make all kinds of mistakes. I guarantee I'm gonna make mistake after mistake after mistake because I'm looking at you. But I don't look at you, I look to God, right? I look to God. He knows I'm looking at a camera, he knows I'm making a video here, he knows that. But he knows that my spirit, is my eyes, the size of my spirit are on him. Great. I love that, man. <laughs> That's why I come out here and do what I do, because I don't care. I care about what Jesus wants for my life. And that's what Paul and Barnabas did here in, in, the, in, in the book of Acts, chapter 14. That's what we're in. Let's just jump into that. Sunday prayer letter is the Greeks believe. That's the title of our letter this week. The Greeks believe. I like that. The Greeks believe. <laughs> Some people say it's all Greek to me, you know. <laughs> But the Greeks believe, that's Acts chapter 14, verse 1. We'll be in Acts chapter 14 all week long. So there's a halfway mark, 28 chapters in the book of Acts of the Apostles. 28 chapters, we're in chapter 14. That's pretty cool, huh? So we've got 14 more chapters, 14 more weeks. We'll be done by the end of the year. And guess what happened to me yesterday? Saturday is my Sabbath rest in the Lord. It's the most spectacular day of the week for me. I mean, it is absolutely incredible. I've sinned three times on the Sabbath when I went and went out to preach and minister. God says, I didn't tell you to go out and preach. I didn't tell you to go minister today. I told you to spend the day with me. And so I had to repent three times in the last four and a half, five years, five years. And uh, I don't do that anymore. I don't minister on Saturdays. Sorry. So that's why it's a challenge for a lot of people because everybody works through the week and they only work on Saturdays in the ministry. How sad. Why don't you give Saturday to the Lord? He'll probably open the rest of the week for you. He might even open Sunday to you. Instead of going to some building that you've been going to for 25 years, don't go to that building that you've been going to for 25 years and come out to the street. Oh, can't do that. Gotta go to church. I gotta go to church, man. I gotta clock in. I gotta make sure everybody sees me in church. Otherwise, people think I've fallen away from Christ. You know, I've been hearing the same preacher for 25 years, singing the same songs for 25 years, and uh, seeing the same people for 25 years. We've been listening to the same message for 25 years. Uh, maybe one day I'll get it. Everybody's all, I tell you, whatever. I thank God that two weeks after I got born again, God says, I want you to preach. I want you to minister. First, I want you to go to school. I thank God that I started preaching right away. Right away. Within that week, I was called to preach. I don't know which day it was, and I don't remember the day the Bible study was on or on board our ship, uh, USS Regal, AF-58. Home base was out of Norfolk, Virginia, Pier 4, Naval Operating Base. 
uh, I got called to preach. And that week, I went to the Bible study and began to preach. Immediately. I, I didn't know anything. I never even read the Bible. All I knew is I got saved. I got born again, and I started preaching. That doesn't happen today. Oh, I got to go to Bible school. I got to go to another uh, class or another church service. I got I to gotta do this, and I got to do this. And they just keep trying to get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. And they never come out to preach. They never come out to minister. It's just, to me, it just frustrates me to no end. I thank God. And I preached for four years. Let's see, I preached 20, 10 years before I was able to get to school. But God honored my faith in my preaching. Yeah, I was all over the place and I was stupid. <laughs> but uh, God still used me in a mighty way. Mighty way, mighty way. I tell you, it was great. It really set me up in the ministry. It really set me up to not care what other people think when I preach and minister. It's like out here. I don't care what people think. It bothers me sometimes because I don't know what I can do and what I can't do. Yeah, thank God. See, they're all excited, right? Yeah, they probably just came out of church, but they won't help. They'll go out to the, to the sandwich shop and spend 40 or $50 on sandwiches they could have spent $5 on at home and give the rest to a minister but they're gonna spend all that money on some ungodly sandwich shop. That's these four or five people in this car right here. It's all right, you know, doesn't bother me, but that's what people do. But that's all they know they can do because they're churchgoers. I go to church, after church I go to lunch. After lunch I do my laundry or whatever, you know. I get ready for Monday or whatever the case may be. And maybe I'll go to a Sunday night church. In Boulder, very few Sunday night churches. Very few Sunday night churches here. And, uh, but I enjoy my Sunday night services at, back at Bethel. I tell you, if, if I heard the Holy Ghost correctly, uh, yes, on Friday, yeah, Friday, if I heard the Holy Ghost correctly on Friday, uh, next year is going to be uh, a cutting away of a lot of believers in my life. Yeah, a lot of believers who are following me now. There's over 600 on YouTube and several. You know, I probably have a couple thousand people here and there that circulate through this ministry, not full time, but kind of circulate. Uh, I'm going to say, if 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 the Holy Ghost does what he said he's going to do and show me what uh, it's probably going to cause a, a massive division a cutting away a falling away because of the Bible verses that the Holy Ghost showed me on Friday I'm excited <laughs> a little nervous but I'm got excited about it. I said really is that it and uh, I just have been so excited since Friday on what the Holy Ghost showed me but because uh, I know I already know I already know that come January, if the Holy Ghost still has me do the messages that he wants me to do next year, I think, wow, wow, you're going to give me no, all of next year's messages? Wow, that's like, how does that work? God knows the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. He knows everything, man. And uh, so he knows what's in chapter 14. You should know what's in chapter 14. Why should I have to preach to you, right? <laughs> And so if that happens, I mean, I don't know that. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'll just start it. I'll just do it. <laughs> if that's what the Holy Ghost wants me to do. Maybe it could be something I'm praying for later on. But I don't know. It's going to take a lot of faith in me. It's going to take great faith. I'm going to have to have great faith to do the messages that he has me for next year. And I asked, well, why do you want me to do that for 2024? It's because I want you to do that for the following year of 2025. Really? Wow. Uh, okay. Okay. Because what you're doing this year sets you up for next year, which sets you up for the following year. Whoa. I mean, I was like blown away. I was going, wow, Lord, I was crying on the floor because I knew the move of God in my life. I'm talking about the Sabbath. That was yesterday, too, and on Friday night when I got home from Longmont and finished my video. 
So am I ready to do next year's messages? I'm, I guess I was ready for this year. I didn't know I was ready, but I guess I was. But I didn't know this year we'd be preaching all through the book of Acts. I didn't know that on the Holy Ghost. And uh, next year, it's going to be pretty interesting. So am I ready for it? Well, I've looked around and I say, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Please help me to stay ready. Please help me, Holy Spirit, because I, I don't know what how to do what you want me to do. I've never done that, and I want, I hope, I hope I do it right, Lord, and uh, please protect me. Please watch over me, and all that kind of stuff, I pray. I pray in my spirit language. I know a lot of people don't believe in that. But I pray in my spirit language, because I pray directly to my Father, which is in heaven. I don't pray for myself. I don't pray so I can understand unless the Lord wants me to understand it. Then I'll pray for it, all right? God bless you, Riley. Got here a little late. So, uh, so guess what? Riley joined me. Praise God. And uh, so when people, right, so while you're standing there, when you people wave, like, do that, you can just, you know, nod to them or point to them or wave to them. And uh, anyways. I only have this one Bible, so you're all looking pretty good today. <laughs> and, uh, all right, so let's let's just jump into this now. Acts chapter 14. We're in 14 all week long, and uh, once again, our title is "The Greeks Believed." But why don't we believe, right? The Greeks believed. Acts 14:1. We're still in the theme called signs, wonders, miracles, praise, worship, and our Sunday prayer letter has seven parts, as you know. This is part one, Sunday. Acts 14. One through three. We're just going to do three verses. That's why I've been talking so long because I knew I only had three verses to cover. And uh, it's really funny when I decided to Sunday prayer. The last many, many, many times, several dozen times, Holy Spirit said, Don't worry about the Sunday letter, John, because it's going to be an easy one. And I thought, Well, oh, man, it's going to be an easy one. And I sit down, it takes me six hours to write it. Oh, this is easy, huh, Lord? <laughs> and so once again, yesterday, I said, Lord, I, I got to sit down and do my letter. And uh, he said, it's all right, it's going to be an easy one. I said, yeah, all right. Every time you said it's easy, it takes me all night to do it. So fortunately, yes, last, uh, this, letter here, letter, this letter here only took me a few hours. So uh, three hours is a lot better than six, right? All right, verse 14, uh, chapter 14, verse 1. And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both, I'm going to read all three verses. In Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake, that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. Verse 3. Long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of His grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Thank you, Lord, for, thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word. So sometimes they honk because. <laughs> I'm talking for Riley here, so somebody did join me. All right. So let's go back to 14 here. So, and it came to pass in Iconium. So, in Iconium, so that goes back up to verse 51. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came unto Iconium. That's in 51, the previous chapter there. And who are we talking about? If you go up just a little bit further, you'll see they're talking about Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas. Remember, Paul is the name he uses when he's around Gentiles. It's a Gentile name. And he uses the name Saul when he's with the Jews. All right? So it's not that God changed his name. His name's not changed. It's just based on, like, if when I was in France, I was Jean. Here I'm John, but there I'm Jean. You know, how about that? So anyways, that's another story. Came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue. I think that's interesting, both together. So it's kind of like Paul and Barnabas were team preaching. They both went in synagogue together. So they're both preaching. Maybe Paul would say a portion and then he would key off kind of like on Wednesday. Brent would say something, I would say. Together we were leading the service. Kind of like Paul and Barnabas. I thought that's pretty cool. Mentioned that earlier in the video, right? They went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake. 
See, they so spake. So that's why that lets me know that both of them spoke to the Jews and the Greeks there. Okay? It's kind of cool, right? How they did that? They, were, they did it by the Holy Ghost. They're moved by the Spirit of God. They're led by the Spirit of God. They preach under the anointing of the Spirit of God. So they did it based on what the Holy Ghost showed them and how to do it, just like on Wednesday. That's why we knew the Holy Ghost was leading because of, of the, how it was being done, okay? They so spake that a great multitude, a great multitude, that's a lot of people, multitude. When you see the word multitude, it doesn't matter how many. A lot of believers, well, how many go to your church? How many go to your Bible study? How many come out to teach? How many people have you led to the Lord, preacher? How many people got saved? You know, they ask all these numbers. And I thank God that God has the numbers. We don't need to know the numbers. And so sometimes he just says a multitude. Maybe we can say that too. A multitude comes to Gospel of Andrews Church. A multitude comes out to the street. A multitude, how about that? A multitude of two. Or two or more gathered, Jesus is here with us. That sounds like a multitude to me. <laughs> that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. So as they were speaking, the Jewish, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, the children of God, and the Greeks, which is another word in the King James for Gentile, those, all the people around the world who are not Hebrew. So there's two classes of people, I guess you'd say, the Hebrew, come from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His name was changed to Israel. Israel had 12 sons, and those 12 sons became, the, became all, of the, all of the children of Abraham. Abraham's seed went around the world. The sands of the sea, he couldn't number the number of, of uh, children. Couldn't number them. Even he looked at the stars. God said, look at the stars. Can you number them? No, that's how many people are going to be. That's, you know, something like that. So, Everybody else, though, outside of that, are the Gentile, the, Hebrew, uh, the, the Greeks. That's another word. Just not the Greek country. It's the people who are not Hebrew, okay? But they believed. Isn't it interesting? It says they, they believed. And that means they received Jesus Christ. They received the word of God from Paul and Barnabas as they spoke. And they believed it. And the Bible says when you believe, you're justified by faith. You cannot believe unless you have faith. You can't believe it. You have to have faith. Faith that what you're believing is true. Like when I prayed in my bunk, there on the board ship, AF58, AF USS Regal. Jesus, if you're real, here I am. I had faith to believe a little tiny bit. I wasn't sure, but I had enough faith to believe. How much faith do you need to believe Jesus Christ? You don't need much. Jesus likened into a smallest seed on the earth. He's, he called it a mustard seed. Tiny seed. Anyways, let's keep going. Believe. Verse 2. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles. Unbelieving. So when you're speaking, just like in Longmont, there were a lot of unbelievers there. They were all over the place. And they were stirring people up. When I went to, to, to have lunch, there were people stirring people up. They didn't want me in the, in the restaurant because they saw the sign, they saw me. You know, they were bothered because there was a man of God in their restaurant and it bothered everybody there. I can sense it. The devils in that restaurant were having a heyday and they were being stirred by those spirits, unclean spirits from the people. I couldn't wait to get out of that restaurant. I couldn't deal with it. I said, I'm out of here, Lord. These guys don't want me. I tried doing different things, passed out a few gospel tracts, but I went on down the road. Kind of like what Paul and Barnabas did. They shook off the dust of their feet. The dust from their feet, or whatever. You know. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil. How did they do that? How did they make their minds evil? They sowed words, which are seeds, into the ground of their spirit, evil. That's why when, you're, when you listen to doubters, you listen to haters, you listen to the Antichrist, you listen to people who hate God, and you take that into you, you are sowing those seeds of evil and you could really have a problem there. So that's why we need to guard ourselves. Put on the helmet of salvation, guard your ears and your hair, I mean, your ears and your eyes and your mouth. Guard yourself, guard yourself. Guard yourself, don't let that evil come into you. If somebody's trying to stir hatred up in you, just tell them, thank you very much, God bless you, have a great day. That's what I do. On Longmont, when they threw that trash at me, I just said, thank you very much. God bless you. Have a great day. 
They just looked at me dumbfounded. I didn't get mad at them. I'm not going to entertain their evil. A lot of evil in Longmont. In fact, it's been that way for the last, since the 1st of August. 1st of August, a lot of evil coming into these areas because of school. Because of school. And I was listening to a brother last night over there in Southern California, and a lot of the students says, why are you on our campus? This, he just preached just a couple days ago. Why are you on our campus? This is our, we just started school and you're on our campus. Nobody in this school believes that stuff. They don't believe God, they don't believe the God. They don't believe that stuff. You're supposed to get out of here. You're not even supposed to be here. So no, it's a public campus. It's a public campus. I'm part of the public. Like I was afraid of my church sign. I thought they were gonna tell me to leave because no signs are allowed. I didn't, didn't know that. But, but nobody said anything yet. So you cannot take this evil because it'll affect you against the brother. Okay, verse three, long time therefore abode they speaking boldly. So they had to spend some time speaking boldly. Did they not speak sometimes boldly sometimes and kind of weak other times? No, they always spoke boldly. When I leave the house, I represent boldness. I walk out of the house dressed like this. That's why so many people recognize when I go home, they, oh, that's the guy out there in the street. That's the guy with the big Jesus sign. Yeah. When I do sermons, when I do videos, when I do live streams, whenever I do, I dress like this. I'm always ready for work. I'm always bold. Always. Always, always, always. Speaking boldly in the Lord. Now, you have to understand that when you speak boldly, you cannot speak boldly in your own spirit, your own abilities, your own flesh. Because Satan is going to squash you like a bug. <laughs> You're gonna go, and you're going to go back to your church building, hide in your building there, and because you got squashed. So you have to preach in the Lord. That's why Paul says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh. Because if you don't put the Lord Jesus on, you're going to automatically, without even thinking, make provision for the flesh. And then you're going to get offended when somebody says something nasty to you. Oh, they offended me. Oh, I didn't do anything wrong to do that. And you leave. You quit the ministry. That's why I was talking about all the problems in the beginning. I want people to know there are problems. Because those problems, the design of those problems is to get you to quit the ministry. That's their job. That's their job. That's the job of the problems, the challenges, the situations, all the devils, is to get you to quit the ministry. And that's what Paul and Barnabas was up against. All the people there, the Jews that didn't believe, they were stirring other people up. They were stirring everybody up. Says, "Hey, we need to, we got to get these guys out of our city, out of our city." All right. Long times, therefore, abode they speaking boldly in the Lord. Okay. Now get this. This to me really says something really interesting here, and and also it lets you know that Paul and Barnabas were speaking by the will of God. They were in the city by the will of God. They were speaking the word of God by the will of God. They were walking in the word of God. They were examples and demonstrations of the word of God, walking and living by faith because of what's going to happen next. All right, that's what happened next. Lord, which gave testimony. The Lord gave testimony unto the word of his grace. The Lord did it. Paul didn't do it. Barnabas didn't do it. The Lord confirmed the word with signs and wonders following the preaching of the word. Where's that in the Bible? Where else is that in the Bible? Can we find it? Yeah, Mark 16, 15 through 20. That's, that's the verses that Satan wants to, is taken out of corrupt Bibles. They say, oh, verse nine and on is not in the oldest and best manuscript. It's a big, big fat lie that Christians nowadays believe. They're taught in seminary. Oh, those don't exist. Yeah. But in every Bible from the King James back all the way through Texas Receptors, all the way back to Antioch, it was always in the Word of God. But people say, oh, because they want to take out testimony that Jesus Christ is real. That's why people don't lay hands on the sick anymore. That's why they don't cast devils out anymore. That's why they don't operate in any of the nine gifts of the Holy Ghost, because they don't want it, they don't believe it, because of the persecution that comes when you walk in the spirit, just like here. Therefore the Lord which gave testimony. Testimony, I'm gonna to go to a verse here, testimony. I'm gonna go over to Exodus 16, 34. Exodus 16, 34. Exodus 16, 
uh, 34. Hang on, everybody. 1634. I think this is really interesting. This is the first time testimony is mentioned in the Bible. First, first mention. Anytime you see a first mention in the Word of God, you see the Word of in the mention. You need to take note of that. Take note of that because it's important. Otherwise, God wouldn't have mentioned it right there. He would have mentioned it later, but this is the first time it's mentioned. Exodus 17, 34. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony, capital T, testimony. What is that referring to? That's referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what that is. That's referring right off the bat here in Exodus. He's bringing Jesus Christ in one more time. Aaron laid it up before the Lord Jesus Christ, the testimony to be kept. Jesus is, keeps his word. Jesus keeps us in his, in his uh, family. His, you know, he seals us by the Spirit. Anyway, thought that's pretty interesting testimony. So now we know that the testimony he's referring to is himself. He testifies of himself. That's pretty interesting, huh? That's like in John, 1 John 5, 7. The Holy Ghost, the Father, the Word, they testify with each other. They're, they're the same. They're one. They're, they, they bear record with each other. So it's like your brain bears witness that you are in this body. Like, you know, all that stuff. I don't want to go there right now. All right? But look into this. Lord, which gave testimony, gave himself, right, unto the Word. The Bible says in uh, Psalm 138.2 that God has magnified, magnified or exalted, magnified his Word, his Word above all his name. How about that? His word is really important. And since the word is that important, it's actually higher than his name. He's got a lot of names. Magnified above his name. Then don't you think that Satan would say, you know what? I'm going to take that thing out because I'm the God of this world. I'm going to corrupt that Bible. I'm going to kind of tear it apart. And I'm going to start sowing seeds of doubt that the Bible is really true. That it's just a made up book by, that people wrote. You know, just leave it at home. You don't need that book. And that's why the mass confusion around the world, the mass confusion around the world about the Bible. And that's why people are so uncomfortable about the Bible nowadays. Because they don't have it. Anyways, stop right there. The reason I stop is you see, sometimes I'll stop right in the middle of a sentence. That's the Spirit of God within me. Because otherwise, I just keep on going. Because in my brain, I can see what I need to say next. I can see it. Holy Spirit said, but stop me. That's why I'm going here and I stop. I go here, I stop. Because I'm being led by the Spirit of God. And that's why oftentimes I haven't got a clue what I'm saying. Until I get home and watch the video when I edit it. I go, oh, man, I said that. I better not. Oh, let's don't post that. I don't want to. Oh, that, that, nobody's going to like that one. I mean, that's my flesh talking. A lot of preachers say that. Oh, why did I say that? Because <laughs> God wanted it said. And you were willing to say it. You didn't care about what people thought of you, think of you. Long time, therefore, both speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace. Hallelujah, man. It's really interesting when you look at the word grace, because before you can get saved, you have to know that God has given you grace. That's why you can go your whole life and never receive Christ, because of grace. Or you can receive Christ, and you're not stoned when you commit a sin you get to live through the sin that's why on my post this morning i said it's a great day and the great morning in the lord jesus christ uh as long as you didn't wake up in sin this morning how many believers woke up in sin this morning and they read my post yeah i hope it's really convicts them i hope they their heart just just condemns them so much so that the foundation of their life is shaken that the prison doors are flown open and they come out of that jail sentence that they have allowed Satan into their life as a believer. You gotta kick Satan out of your life, man. You can't let Satan have his way. You gotta humble yourself before the Lord and resist the devil, man. Resist him, you know? And yeah, sometimes, it's not easy sometimes to resist the devil. You have to really lean into it, man. You have to really be boldly. You have to speak to Satan boldly. And that's what Paul and Barnabas were doing. They were speaking boldly. Why were they speaking boldly? Because Satan was present and his devils were present. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> All right, let's go on. 
the Lord which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted. He grant Jesus Christ granted that signs and wonders to be done by their hands. By their hands. Um, let's go to Revelation 19.10. Revelation 19.10. I wanted to add this in here. Revelation 19.10. Uh, Revelation 19.10. Revelation 19.10. Somewhere right through here. 19.10. And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See thou do it now. I am thy fellow servant, uh, and the brethren they have, uh, uh, and thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. The testimony of Jesus. Angels have the testimony of Jesus. We have the testimony of Jesus. And what we do is we deliver the testimony of Jesus to people. And that creates faith in the unbeliever and also faith in the believer. So they will stop sinning. Right? Yeah, that's correct, right? I just wanted to highlight that. It says, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. This book, the word of God, is, the, is, the, is a word of prophecy that if you don't receive Jesus Christ and you die in that sin, you will experience the law of sin and death. And where is sin and death gonna go to? Since you have it inside of you and you're led by that sin and death, you're gonna go to the lake of fire for all eternity. First you go to hell, then you go to the judgment, then you'll experience the second death. See? Can't get around it. How do you get around it? Can't get around it after you die. You can get around it by receiving Jesus Christ today. Don't wait till tomorrow, man. Don't wait till tomorrow. Because tomorrow may not come. In fact, there's a lot of people in the world that tomorrow will not exist. They may think today that tomorrow will exist, but they don't know they're gonna get in that car wreck. They don't know they're gonna get in a plane wreck. They don't know they're gonna OD on drugs. They don't know that. They don't know that tomorrow won't exist. So today is the day of salvation. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that people are getting saved right now. They're saying, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to experience the death. I don't want to experience any more sin in my life. Father, I repent. I receive you, Jesus, as my testimony that you died on the cross for me. You shed your blood from the remission of my sin. And then I live by faith. I'm not living by my own abilities, but I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and my Savior. And I resist the devil from my life. I rebuke him out of my life. And I want you, Holy Spirit, to fill me. Give me the power to say no to Satan, the power to read the Word of God, and the power to give my testimony to other people. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for all those who are getting saved right now. I thank you, Lord, we give you all the glory, Lord. We give you all the glory. We take no glory. In your name, Jesus, amen and amen. Amen. Hey, man, is there any place around here today a person can get some food? Some, yeah. What? Some food? Yeah, because I'm traveling through to the interstate. Yeah. And then I'm headed to Wyoming. Yeah. And I'm going to hit 80. I'm going to hit Sturgis. Yeah. And uh, Mount Rushmore. Oh, boy. I'm going to hit Chicago. I'm going to cut down south and hit uh, St. Louis, see my kids, my grandkids. And then head south and hit New Orleans by uh, October 1st. Yeah. But I'll tell you what I can do. I don't know what, I don't know what you're exactly what you're asking, but I can donate a little bit. That would be that'd be cool, but I'm going yeah, to I'm I'm, I'm give you a few gospel tracks there, so hey. you can keep one and give two of them away. I'm sure That's what I do. That's part of the ministry there. That, sure uh, McDonald's down there has really cheap hamburgers. This Only one, only this one here. Really? It's like 89 or 99 cents. Everywhere else is two Thank bucks, you, but that yeah, one there is cheap. And yeah, they have, sometimes if you tell them what you're doing, they'll give you yeah. a free coffee, too. That's what's up. All right. I appreciate and that's just you guys. block and a half on the left-hand side. Block and a half. Now, now if side. I go this way, too, that's what I get down there. Well, this is the freeway, unless you want to go way out there to uh, 119. I-25. Uh, I-25. So that's uh, this, uh, the bus. So the buses are free, too, for today. So right over there where it says Panda Express, that's a bus stop that a big coach called the B-O-L-T. And it will take you out to uh, uh, Longmont, and then uh -huh. you can pick, and then you can hitch over to. Take me to Longmont. Yeah. It's called the Bolt. Yeah. And when does that come? Do you know? Uh, about every hour, and I don't know where. That is right Yeah, it's throughout all day. Yeah. Okay. Well, Donald's there, and you can walk up there. Thank you, God bless you. God bless y'all. Appreciate All right, man. So uh, have a great day. God bless you, and uh, I hope this wasn't too hard on you. Okay. I love you. Bye bye.